Smells like football, baby. <laughs> What is up, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Football Smackdown. I'm your host, Kyle August. You can follow me on Twitter at KyleMonth8. And joining me, as always, on the other side of the mic, he's the excellence of execution. You can follow him on Twitter at JakeTakesFF. It's Mr. Jake. Rip your heart out, Jake Rip. (laughs) Back on your side. Back on your side. A little bit of a delay from the audience. I feel like they weren't quite sure if you were done with the intro or not. But now that we're all on the same page, man, I am uh, I'm excited to be back on the Fantasy Football Smackdown. What's going on, Kyle? Month 8, as we're sitting here in late month 7. We are getting there almost to month 8. I believe I saw we're 52 days away from from football kicking off, which is pretty freaking awesome. I think about all the drafts I have between then and now, and that's kind of scary. Um, but uh, had a, had a uh, startup uh dynasty draft yesterday on sunday if you guys are watching us live on youtube uh here on july the 19th but uh my good buddy john mcglynn he is uh he hosts a show over there on the goat district podcast uh family of shows and he put together a local in-person dynasty startup draft that's my kryptonite man i couldn't pass it up so i had to jump in there and uh, immediately homerized the hell out of him with Dak Prescott at the 106. And then your boy, C.D. Lamb, in round two, wide receiver five off the board. I was rolling, baby. <laughs> Man, you know what? I And we're doing a breakout show today. I feel like C.D. Lamb might come up more than once. Well, oh, that, that might we'll be a little see. bit foreshadowing, potentially, because as a Cowboys fan, I try to just constantly – Make sure that I'm not overstating what I think the ceiling is for CeeDee Lamb. I'm super excited about him this year. I know you are as well, so you are not going to keep me in check whatsoever. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. <laughs> yes, absolutely, man. Uh, you're going to have trouble finding someone who's excited about CeeDee Lamb as I am. You know, uh, my in, and I guess I should wait before we get too into CeeDee Lamb, but uh, my whole thing this year, this is where I'm planting my flag, is everyone's saying Justin Jefferson's the receiver of that class, right? It's sold. It's written in stone. I'm not buying it, man. I still think it's C.D. Lamb, and I think we're going to see that this season. Oh, yeah. I, I, that one's going to be tough. And I think there's a third dark horse in that from that class that could be the top dog of the sophomores. But we'll talk about that just a little bit later on the show. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, you can follow us on Twitter at KyleMonthA, at JakeTakesFF. You can follow the Dynasty Warzone at Dynasty Warzone and continue to stay subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts, because, man, we're going to be continuing to put out great content as we get closer and closer to the season. Dallas dropped some money cash takes uh, on Sunday night here on the YouTube, Monday on the podcast. Uh, Jerry and Memphis dropped a fun segment last week on the War Zone as they covered their SFB drafts, and Memphis is always bringing it on the Friday shows as well. Speaking of, we're going to have some special guests on the SmackDown here next week as we do another mock draft uh, for 2021. As uh, we wrap up July, as we head into the positional previews, as we get closer and closer to the season. So, again, continue to stay subscribed. And if you want to check us out on YouTube, which I highly recommend, especially for next week's mock draft episode, just head on over to YouTube, search Dynasty Warzone. You can follow every show. If you hit that little notifications button, you'll get uh, alerted every time we drop a new podcast there on the YouTube channel. So, uh, Jake, I think we should just jump right into it, man, because I think we have some really fun players to talk about today. But uh, before we dive into the names, do you want to give, you know, these terms kind of get thrown around and I honestly, I hate even using them, but they, you know, it's just like the clickbait of the fantasy world. So we talked sleepers a few weeks ago, right? We talked bust last week and we're talking breakouts on today's show. We hit the trifecta of fantasy Twitter bingo, but what does a breakout look like to you? What does a player have to do in order to break out in fantasy football? Yeah, this to me is just the exact opposite of what we were calling a bust, right? The bust was a player who's going to uh, drastically miss expectations. Um, I think a breakout's kind of the exact opposite. It's a player who, no matter what their ADP is, uh, a player who's going to exceed those expectations by by a fair amount. I know you and I were kind of talking at the end of last show after we signed off about what would exactly qualify. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird to put any sort of parameters around that or any sort of like you know, from this round to this round. Uh, but I, I feel like anyone that we're going to talk about today, either you or me or both of us, these are players that we think are going to see uh, uh, tremendous value spikes in, in the 2021 season compared to where they're being valued right now. 
Yeah, and, and most and ended up like I don't usually like I think a player can be a breakout for the upcoming season, even if they've had a breakout season before. You know, like uh my guy last year that I owned on every freaking team, and when he was when he hit Life was good all across all of my squads. But Brandon Cooks, like he was a breakout player for me last year. He's already broken out, but Brandon Cooks was a guy that was being taken around like seven or eight. And I was t- taking him right there around six every in every draft and felt really, really good about his production. And, and he had a great season. So um, I know a lot of my guys are pretty young uh, after I was kind of putting this list together. But I, I think if you guys are out there and you're thinking about some breakout players and and uh, you know, and targeting these guys wherever they land in your in your draft is that it doesn't have to be a young guy at all times. It could be a guy um, that you that has put up fancy production in the past, but you just think is going to be better than his ADP. So uh, I know with the sleepers, we looked at the double digit rounds or later. We didn't really limit it here. It could be anybody. So this could be some earlier round players, mid round players, late round players. But uh, Jake, I'll I'll defer to you to start us off here. You can kick off the show with the first breakout player for 2021. Who you got? Yeah, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take a swing off the the T ball post right here. <laughs> this is an easy one. One of the more popular breakout candidates, I think, at uh, 17 overall in ADP for fantasy pros, RB12. It's Antonio Gibson. Uh, this dude, I think everyone's on board by now that this guy is gonna end up being a stud this year. All the reports from training camp look good, except for the fact that I see. Uh, uh, the other running backs in that Washington backfield are either gaining weight. If you're JD McKissick, I think in McKissick's case, or if you're Peyton Barber, you are losing weight. Those are the two reports that came in like almost bam, bam on the NBC sports app. Uh, but needless to say, I'm, I'm not so concerned about either of them, even though uh, smooches, uh, yep, definitely got his fair share of receiving work last season. The the only weight loss I want to hear about Peyton Barber is the Washington football team losing about 240 pounds and cutting that dude. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So yeah, let's let's just uh, let's just table Peyton Barber for a bit. <laughs> Antonio Gibson converted just 170 attempts. That was all he had. 170 attempts into 800 yards. So that's a respectable almost 4.7 yards per attempt. I like that. But what I really like is that 11 touchdowns as a rookie uh, because if there was any concern about Antonio Gibson coming into the league it wasn't how he was going to be as a pass catcher right we all kind of knew that he had uh, those receiving chops it was how's he going to be in between the tackles how's he going to be if they use him in red zone situations on the goal line Uh, but I feel like 11 touchdowns just kind of eviscerates any doubt I had uh, as far as his rushing production is concerned like that's all I needed to see I know that he's got it as a runner uh, now let's factor in the fact that Gibson stands to see an enormous spike in snap share uh, in 2021, just 45% in 2020. That was 39th in the league. Let's also factor in that Washington, I, th- I think that whole offense stands to look a hell of a lot better with uh, Fitzmagic under center. Uh, you know, I mentioned how skilled uh, the, the Gibson is as a pass catcher, man. What happens when Ron Rivera has that epiphany? And actually, Rivera might have even uh, made this comparison before out loud to the media. But what happens when he realizes he has Christian McCaffrey 2.0 sitting right under his nose and Antonio Gibson, and he gets that Christian McCaffrey workload? Then it's uh, then it's Antonio Gibson to the moon at that point. You know, I think that... Uh, some running backs just have different paths, man, to, uh, you know, you get your guys like Saquon who come right into the league and they dominate in year one. Uh, I, I kind of expect Najee Harris to be kind of the same type. Um, but then you get other guys like Derrick Henry who kind of get eased into the league or Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you take that route where even though everyone knows how much of a beast you are, you've shown this talent, you kind of have to like earn your stripes. It's that weird football coaching mentality, I guess. Uh, but I think Antonio Gibson kind of falls into that category, and I think he's earned those stripes, and he's going to make his mark on the league this year. Uh, I'm, again, not relatively worried about anyone else in that Washington backfield. It's the Antonio Gibson show, and his value is just going to skyrocket. I have no problem with RB12. What do you think about his current ADP? Um, I don't know if I'd call it a value, but I'm, I'll certainly buy at, at RB12. Yeah, uh, and actually, I th- I'm going to answer your question with just rolling in because this is uh, interesting that you picked Antonio Gibson to start with because the running back that I chose as uh, a breakout candidate is somebody that I was comparing to Antonio Gibson. So I think I'll start with that and we can talk about these two guys together yeah. uh, and then roll into this. Uh, you know, and we're doing an, 
I forgot to mention at the top two, all these ADPs, we're using fancy pros, half PPR right now. Um, it's still mid-July, so lots to still shake out here. Um, but I definitely like you know where Gibson's at. I, I like the fact that I don't feel like he's being overdrafted too much, despite the fact that he had you know a great uh, rookie campaign, like you said, 17th overall, um, 12th among running backs. But my breakout candidate that I wanted to mention at here at the top, first guy on my list, is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This is a guy that was the running back right of that rookie class. I know he was taken at the end of first of the round ones last year and he didn't really produce that level, but right now he's going running back 16 off the board. Dude, nine that's, picks. Good. That's, that's such a good name. Why didn't I write that one down? <laughs> that one didn't even cross my mind. Well, and it was funny too, because when I'm looking up CEH here, he's 26th overall in ADP. So that's early round three. If I'm getting, if I'm getting CEH in round three, that means I've, I've done, I have, I have CMC, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, one of those guys, come back, take whoever the hell in round two. I don't even care. And then plug in CEH as my RB2. I yeah. mean, that's pretty studly. But rookie year, even though he didn't produce to the round one quality, I think he could this year. I think he has a lot. I think he has some upside. Uh, when you look at, he had a few more touches than Gibson. Uh, they actually played the same amount of games. If you look at the fact that Gibson left a game like, really early on. I, I can't remember if that was a Thursday night game. It was definitely a primetime game and that one stung big time, but they played the same amount of games. He had about 10 more attempts uh, than Antonio Gibson. They had the same exact same amount of receptions, 36, which was weird because both of these running backs were guys that at the fancy community thought, Hey, if they're going to do anything, they're going to catch passes. Right. Yeah. And 36 is respectable. It's not great, but I'm hoping to see a bump from both of these running backs, but especially CEH in this offense. Um, CH had more total yards than Antonio Gibson. Again, the same number of catches, but the thing that obviously hurt CEH in comparison is that CEH only had five total touchdowns to Gibson's 11. I think that that number takes a jump from five. I think that takes a leap for, for Edwards Alaire in year two. Uh, again, 16th overall at the running back position, 26th overall at the beginning of round three in your drafts. I think this is a running back that I would love to target as my RB2. It has a ton of upside in the best offense in the NFL. So um, these are two sophomore running backs. I think we're gonna be talking about a lot of sophomore running backs. I'm looking at Gibson going at 12 and I just, I'm having a hard time finding people that I would put him over, um, which is like, it's, it's, which is a good problem to have, I guess, because I think there's about 18 to 20 running backs. I'm pretty excited about this year ish. So I guess I'll just kick it back to you with throwing another name onto the pile. Jake, what, like who, do you think that these guys, or maybe it's just Gibson, should be going ahead of that's currently ahead of these guys in Fantasy Pros ADP right now? Hmm, let me pop up that ADP right here. Ba 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 ba. Uh, filibuster, filibuster, kill. Time, so I'll think it. So I think that the top seven is going to be pretty consensus at the running back position: CMC, Cook, Henry, oh, well, Kamara, yeah, Barker, got, Taylor, Zeke. But yeah, would you put him in there. I I got that answer for you as far as like who I think. Mm -hmm. or who I think these players should be above. Is that what you were asking me? Yeah. Yep. Cam makers, man. I, I don't <laughs> look, I don't hate them. And I know this is one of Memphis's guys, Memphis. but uh, it's, it's just not certain enough for me. Like, I feel like there's more, um, you know, again, we saw the 11 touchdowns already from Antonio Gibson last year. That's enough for me to be confident enough to go with Antonio Gibson over cam makers this year. Um, mm -hmm. Whew, Clyde Edwards Hilaire over Cam Akers. That's I, I don't think I uh I'm not feeling that ballsy enough yet. Dobbins is going at uh before CEH right now. I would take CEH over Dobbins. Um but, but after that after that, I feel like CEH he's kind of in a good spot. Mm -hmm. Not to say that he isn't a huge value though, because every point you made was huge, and the biggest point being the offense that he's playing. And like that's the that's the allure for me of CEH. And I feel like a lot of people are and I don't want uh, like I guess a lot of people are down on Ceh, and they've kind of been down on him since week two of uh, last season. Like it, it was just yeah. a complete, uh, it just a complete downfall. They went downhill as soon as he had that twenty-five attempt, one hundred and thirty-eight yards, and a touchdown. People thought like people thought this was going to be the next coming of Christ in Ceh. Because uh, the big debate the whole the whole summer leading up to the draft was he was going around like. 108 or somewhere in, yeah. the, in the late first round that seemed crazy and uh, it looked like people were going to cash out on that if he ended up putting up numbers like that all season but after that it's 38 yards 64 yards 40 yards 40 yards uh, he had another big game in there but after that just not a ton of rushing production 
I guess I'd like to see more games where like the Chiefs are getting ahead and then they put CEH out there to just grind clock and just get more reps like that. Uh, more garbage time, I guess I would expect from a team like the like the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all in all, I, I, not a whole lot of uh, names that I think should drop below CEH. Again, Cam Akers, I'm a little nervous about, but I kind of like where he's at, and I would certainly draft CEH there. I like him as a potential breakout candidate. Yeah, for for me, uh, when you look at Akers is kind of the one, like, again, all these sophomore running backs are exciting and fun to talk about. Like, Akers, for me, would be third behind these three guys when you're just talking about just the sophomore running backs. Um, I would take Gibson just ahead of Akers and then CEH just ahead of uh, Akers as well. And I would take all three of those running backs ahead of, you know, Dobbins and Mixon. And right now, Harris, like Harris, I think has a lot of upside as well. But you got to get nitpicky when you're talking about this stuff. And he, I think he has by far the worst offensive line of the three of them uh, or four of them, I guess. So, yeah, I, I guess while I have a hard time coming up with my reasoning for taking like why I would take CEH over Cam Akers. Like I have just as hard of a time coming up with a reason to say why I would take Cam Akers over CEH. Like I, yeah. I'm just not sure the upside is that much greater with Cam Akers. And I think the one that's going to be like, like it's difficult for me. I I freaking love Nick Chubb, right? But he Kareem Hunt is not going away. Chubb doesn't catch a lot of passes. But when you look at some of these uh, other than Eckler, I mean, when you look at Akers, Gibson, and and uh, and, and Edwards Elaire and Dobbins, right? Like these guys aren't really catching passes to the level that you're like, oh, they they can make up for the fact that Chubb's a freaking monster and gonna be, you know, up there in attempts, right? You know, and and he's gonna potentially lead the league in rushing yards. Him and Derrick Henry, I think, are should be the favorites for that. You know, so I I Chubb is somebody that when I see him in my queue in a mock draft, I'm like, oh, I just hate the fact that I've just it's so dependent on the rushing. Um, but until these rookies, I guess, you know, if you want to take the leap that they're going to, that they will make the leap in the receiving game, you know, that's just kind of the, I think the path you have to go, but I, I think both those guys are really exciting. And if they can just add a little bit more in the, from the passing game, get to around 220 attempts, I'd love that for them, but, uh, 200, 220, that'd still be a pretty decent clip. Uh, and, uh, these guys could be RB ones for your squad being drafted either just on the edge or mid RB two range. So uh, Jake, I'll kick it back to you for, I guess, our third breakout. Now we had a couple of young running backs off the board early here. So who's another breakout candidate for you? Well, Kyle, I'll, I'll give you a hint. Ready? Okay, here we go. We're jumping into CeeDee Lamb already, huh? Let's go, yeah, baby. You know what? Let's just rip it off like a Band-Aid. And you know what? Before we get too into CeeDee Lamb, I should preface this by saying, this the sound effects machine I have here. I don't think it's as cool as Memphis's. I think he can load in. Oh, we're backing off now. We're backing off. Last week it was a challenge and throwing down the gauntlet. Well, now here's the thing. I feel like he can down or he can have a bunch more preloaded than I can at one time. I can play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I can have eight preloaded at one time. And I think some players that we talk about this season should have their own sound effect. And I think CD Lamb is going to be one of those guys. Now, I was torn between two different sound effects. So you tell me, and maybe we can get some input on Twitter. Okay. Uh, but it's going to be either. <laughs> or I really like this one. <laughs> God. That's obnoxious as hell. <laughs> no, I know what you, you're thinking you the like. second one. I think the second one is, is worse, which means that's the one you should use. <laughs> Dude, you'd be surprised. Some of these like sheep and lamb sounds I was looking up are, sound horrendous, like something out of a horror movie. Uh, but with, uh, without without getting too sidetracked, and we'll hear plenty of that sound effect, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. I'm, get excited, Kyle. Yes. Uh, but th- this one feels as obvious as like the Antonio Gibson pick, like another guy that everyone else seems to be on board with now. Uh, but unlike Antonio Gibson. Uh, CD Lamb, he's going to be in in this Dallas offense. You know, there's not as many question marks in the Dallas offense. We kind of know what we're going to get from them. Um, they're going to be absolutely shredding defenses this season. I expect Dallas to once again be a top three passing volume offense this season. They led the league in team pass plays per game in 2020 with just under 43 pass plays per game. And that's without Dak Prescott for the majority of the season, right? And I guess that's a testament, right, Kyle, to that um, – ever so beastly defense that Dallas uh, rolls out there every Sunday. Just a, uh, yeah. 
Just and, a reminder. That, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, and one that they brought in a newly fired Dan Quinn to come save the day. So I'm sure that'll work out great. Yeah, that's look. He's, yeah, okay. We're not going to start hating on Dan <laughs> Quinn here. He did his best. Uh, and I'm gonna. I would guess I'll reference my um, C.D. Lamb versus Justin Jefferson beef once once again here. But Justin Jefferson, when he went in and he w- had this crazy historic season last season, it was him and it was Adam Thielen that he had to compete for with targets. And C.D. Lamb, he's going out there and he's going up against Amari Cooper, and yet still with Amari Cooper, he's competing uh, with Amari for targets. He's got some mix of. Andy Dalton, and is it Ben DiNucci? Ben DiNucci, yeah. He was out yeah. there for some games, yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, and, he's, and CD still put together a reasonable season, 74 for just under 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. Like, I, I know it's completely overshadowed by what Justin Jefferson did, but do not be surprised when with a full season with Dak Prescott uh, mixed in with an increased snap share. I wrote down here somewhere, CD Lamb had a super, uh, super low snap share. I had sixty-three percent. I don't. That sounds right. Looking, yeah. Uh, just those those two factors alone. I think he's gonna just put together a beastly season. Dak, I think, actually even said it himself that he expects CD Lamb. He might have even said the word have a breakout season in uh in twenty twenty one. I'm curious, Kyle. Did you also write down the name CD Lamb as one of your breakouts? Had to man wide receiver 15. I can't, I forget if you mentioned it, so I'll repeat it. Wide receiver 15 right now in fantasy pros ADP 42nd overall. That's mid round four for you, math, math elites out there. Um, and the crazy thing is, like, if you look at fantasy pros, uh, it breaks down different sources. Like, Yahoo actually has them ADP wise at wide receiver 19. So, I mean, I, I think that, I mean, that is unbelievable if you can get them any later than even wide receiver 15. I think this dude is a, is a wide receiver one right now. Yeah. Um, I think him and Cooper can both be wide receiver ones this year because this uh, this offense is going to have to go off every single week. This defense is hot garbage. They added yes, they added uh, Micah Parsons in round one. That doesn't fix it. They have multiple holes on this team, and one linebacker is not going to fix this defense. Um, even one scheme change is not going to fix this defense. So this is an offense that's going to have to be clicking all year long. I think Ceedee Lamb is the guy that's in line for even more targets. He had. And he had fine numbers last year. He was still wide receiver 24 um, as a rookie. But I think this guy's going to see even more opportunity, more snap share. And somebody right now that's going behind guys that I'm taking him easily over, like Julio Jones, Mike Evans. He's going behind Chris Godwin in Yahoo ADP right now. He's going behind Adam Thielen, Robert Woods in, in Yahoo ADP. Like, I just don't I, – I think this kid has extremely high upside – not only can it be a, I have him ranked at uh, 12 right now among receivers. I think he even has more upside than that. Um, I've, I want to push him even higher, but again, I'm, I'm trying to pump the brakes on myself because I'm like, I don't want to come across as a homer, but I just think everything is falling in line for this kid as far as volume, game script, you know, elite talent, and obviously a stud quarterback coming back um, this year in Dak Prescott. So I just see if he's sitting there in round four. I don't see how there isn't an owner out there that wouldn't want to grab this kid, but rose colored glasses. I don't know. It always seems like such a bold prediction too, to say that there's going to be two wide receivers that end up finishing inside the top 12. But I always think back to that, uh, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you'd think on paper like Jameis Winston throwing to Evans and Godwin. No way. Actually, I think they both finished top eight or something. (laughs) Something like, I mean, we've seen it. I think even last year, I think Lockett and, and Metcalf were close. Uh, I know even Cooper and Crabtree from in the Oakland days, they had a season like that. Jefferson and, and Thielen just last season, definitely yeah. were both. So, I mean, it there's, and of course <laughs> the green Bay days when uh, Rogers almost had three of them inside the top 15. So, I mean, you, you can definitely had George, oh, Jordy Nelson. Love that guy. <laughs> he was wide receiver two forever. He was always finished as wide receiver two. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think this is, if there's any offense that, can sustain and that the Minnesota thing still cracks me up because all year I just kept bashing. I'm like, Cousins doesn't throw the ball enough. He doesn't throw with the ball enough. And he still didn't really throw the ball a ton. It just all went to those two guys. So that's one way to get it done. This is an offense that Dak's going to throw for, I mean, with an extra game, he's going to be real close to 700 pass attempts. Like that's, there's going to be plenty to go around. I think you're looking at at least 110 targets a piece between 
Cooper Lamb and Gallup with the potential for more. Um, yeah, I, I just I love this kid and I want him on all, all my squads if I can get him. Ah, ah. Uh, any more parting thoughts on CD? No, I just figured I'd close it out with a, a quick little bah, bah. That's what I figured. So I'm going to jump into another guy here. I'm going to go back to the running back position. And this is a guy that I think um, I wasn't – when I put my rankings together, I'm not overly, like, super pumped. I, I, or I didn't think so, that I was overly excited about this guy. He is a rookie coming in, so he's got that new hotness mentality to him. And I guess looking at it from a dynasty perspective, this is a guy that people have been talking about for a really long time. He's obviously a first-round pick in rookie drafts. But right now is running back 31 off the board, 69th overall end of the sixth round. Travis Etienne, oh. I think, has a ton of upside. I think this is a kid that when you're looking at some of the guys he's going behind, he's going behind kind of like the old busted crew uh, or the guys that you don't really know. You got Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Kareem Hunt's fine. He's he's an RB2. You're going to draft him as an RB2, 24th. His ADP is even 24th overall. He's going to finish right there. He doesn't really have too much more upside than that. Um, you look at some of the unknown guys when you look at Edmonds or Gaskin and Mike Davis, Raheem Mostert, even Melvin Gordon, uh, Ronald Jones. These are all guys that are going ahead of Travis Etienne right now. And while I like some of the upside of those other guys as well, when you're talking about a Kareem Hunt going at 50th overall and Travis Etienne almost going at 20 picks later, I think this, this kid was drafted in the first round for a reason and an offense that, again, is going to be chasing points and the game script should be positive for him. As much as I do like James Robinson and think he can still get to 200 attempts uh, I think ETN is brought in for a reason. He's going to be in the game when they need a pass catcher in the backfield. He's obviously familiar with some guy that they're going to have under center, which that's the easy color by numbers way to put it. But I think this is a kid that we've seen his passing game prowess. He's going to take away touches from James Robinson. Robinson can still be the the bell cow. That's totally fine. We've seen this work in offenses in the past, New Orleans Saints. Um, is ETN Alvin Kamara? I don't know, but the Jags seem to think so because they put a lot of stock into this kid taking him in what mid in the mid twenties uh, in round one of the NFL draft. So if you can get him right now at the end of round six, that's a guy that I'm worth that I'm excited about taking a stab on because the guys right behind him, Leonard Fournette, Damian Harris, David Johnson. I mean, come on, he just jumps out to me, and I think that by the time we're talking about him in a few weeks, when we get to the running back preview, he's going to be closer to maybe 60th overall, maybe fit, you know, somewhere in that 55 to 60 range. But for now, he's a definite value and a definite breakout candidate for me. So what's your thoughts on uh, on ETN there, Jake? I have mixed feelings on ETN. Like where he's being taken right now, it's hard to argue any running back being taken in that range. It's going to be seeing any sort of like considerable volume, right? Re- receiving or, or rushing. Uh, but in, you know, going into the 2020 draft process, like people were talking about Travis Etienne, like if he was to come out in his junior year, how he would have been like running back one of that class of this uber elite class of Jonathan Taylor and Dobbins and Antonio Gibson and Cam Akers, that whole gang. They're saying Travis Etienne would have been the guy. Um, whether or not that would have been true, I guess is going to be uh, will will be remain to be seen. But um. I, 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 it's an upside play, right? Like, I, it's hard to imagine any sort of floor, I guess, for ETN. Um, I hear from some sources that ETN's going to get a lot of volume right off the bat. I hear from others that James Robinson's going to continue to be the guy and they're going to spell ETN on third downs or whatever. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's tough, man. I love ETN, the player. I love the fact that he's going back to Jacksonville. And like, I know he's not, he's obviously not a wide receiver. So there's not like that quarterback wide receiver connection, but there's something to him being back in that backfield with Trevor Lawrence, the guy that he's been taking handoffs from for the past four years. Um, there's like a sense of comfort there, I guess. I mean, I don't know inside the mind of a running back how they think coming into the NFL, but um, I love the situation for him. Um, I, I, you know, my old fantasy football mindset would have maybe told me like to, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are a team that in, in theory you wouldn't figure is going to be winning much. So they're going to be playing from behind. So they're going to be throwing a lot. And that's kind of how I thought about James Robinson last year. And obviously that just blew up all over my face, right? James Robinson ended up getting a ton of carries, a ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous snap share. And uh, he was a beast for fantasy. So. At the end of the day, it's all going to come down to how Urban Meyer wants to uh, distribute touches in that backfield. I'm curious as anyone else to see how much action James Robinson gets. I think if you're comparing the two, um, you know, Travis Etienne was taken where he was taken for a reason. And 
And James Robinson is an undrafted free agent for a reason. He came out and he had a nice year, but I think a lot of running backs would have a nice year if they had 95% of the snaps or 95% of the workload in that backfield. Um, yeah, a lot of unknown, man, but I like Travis Etienne. I'm, I'm very on board. I think when you look at it, the the thing that is a little bit that makes me a little bit hesitant is we really have no idea what this offense is going to look like. You know, is it going to look like a college scheme? Is Meyer going to mix it up and you know try to put more uh, you know NFL <laughs> schemes in this offense? Who knows? You know, that's the tough part. Um, and but I was just surprised when you I was surprised when you look at twenty plus picks between James Robinson going at running back twenty two off the board and Travis Etienne going so late. I think Etienne's floor is being it, he's Cream Hunt, but I think he is in yeah. a backfield where he can overtake the running back ahead of him, as opposed to Cream Hunt has no chance in hell of overtaking Nick Chubb right now. There's no reason for the Browns to do that. Um, you know, so I, I think this is a backfield that can produce two guys that should have some good upside, and I think they could be low end RB twos, um, both of them. And when ETN's going that far out, slightly outside the top 30 right now in fantasy pros, half PPR uh, ADP, I think there's some upside there. But I like ETN. I like taking the shot on him. If I can get him in round six, I feel good about that. I'll take that stab. As uh, right now, the third rookie running back off the board in ADP, just behind Javante Williams. So um, depending on where you're looking at. So, all right, Jake, uh, back to you, man. What's another? Who's another breakout candidate for you for this year? I, I, you know, I'm excited to get into the tight end position a little bit. Whoa, this might, we talked about tight ends like in all the last two weeks. I feel like, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. But, uh, we're going to today because TJ Hawkinson is going to break out all over everybody's faces, uh, in 2021, the general rule of thumb for tight ends in fantasy football. So I hear is three years. It takes, uh, before you finally reach, I don't know if it's your prime or, Perhaps it's three years until you break out if you're a tight end. That's how long it takes for you to go from college-level ball to adapt to the way they play in the pros. Uh, and 2021 will be year three for TJ Hawkinson, and I feel like he could not be in a better situation to just ball out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Hawk should be the early favorite for targets uh, in, in that offense, a receiver core that consists of Tyrell Williams, a sleeper, Rashad Perriman and my boy Amon Ra St. Brown. Um, but Hawkinson kind of, for me, in my own personal rankings, represents a, a tear break as the last, like, can't miss tight end. Um, after Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, and Pitts, um, I, you know, a guy like Mark Andrews gives me a little bit of pause. I'm not totally out on him, but I, I'm more confident this season rolling with TJ Hawkinson than I am Mark Andrews. I feel like I just, there's question marks surrounding that Baltimore offense this year. They brought in some receivers. I don't know how those targets are going to be, uh, distributed, but, uh, but I'm very much all in on TJ Hawkinson. Uh, that, but the Hawkinson versus Kyle Pitts debate is very intriguing to me. I feel like either one of those guys could legitimately lead all tight ends in targets this season, and I wouldn't Ooh. bat it. it was either of them. Ooh. You don't think – what? Who's the oof for? Both of them? Uh, to, to lead tight ends in targets? Sure. I mean, Why not? That is a tall task. I think Waller and Kelsey have that pretty well, well sewn up, but – so I, I have I, here, Kelsey has averaged 130 targets per season over the past six years. Okay. I mean, what's stopping TJ Hawkinson from reaching that number in 2021? What? So, but what was Kelsey at the last two years? Do you have that in front of you? I don't, but I can have it here in a second. Because um, that's the thing that, I mean, Kelsey's numbers and in that offense are just, and it doesn't, and you know, targets doesn't necessarily equal fancy production, but it definitely helps. So <laughs> I was just about to say, it sure does help. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Last season, 145. Yeah. See, like that's that number. I think is going to be. I also argue that was like an uber ridiculous unicorn tight end season, 1400 <laughs> yards. It's his best season of all time. 11 touchdowns. It was a big Travis Kelsey year. I, I, I. Uh, I mean, I get it. I do think this is these are two offenses, Atlanta and Detroit, that are going to have to throw the ball a lot. They are lacking other uh, pass catchers in that offense. Obviously, Ridley is a beast, but um, Detroit has nobody. So I, I totally get it with Hawkinson. He was, I think, he was over 100 targets last year, if I'm not mistaken. He was. So, yeah, I think it was like 101 or one, something. Yeah, yeah. The so domination. We're, we're talking about a 24 year old tight end. He's got a hundred target tight end season under his belt already. He's in his third year now. The the tight end 
you know, three-year breakout season. This Lions team as a whole, cover your ears, Jerry. This Lions team as a whole, man, they suck on defense, on offense. They're going to always be playing catch-up. The stage is set for TJ Hawkinson to have an absolutely enormous season. I'm, dude, I, you're, I'm, listen, I just, I love saying absurd shit on this show. <laughs> Tight end one is not impossible for TJ Hawkinson this season. It's totally in play. It's totally in play. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's likely, but it's possible. It's, I think the thing that I love about Hawkinson too, 54th overall right now. And that is actually with at fancy pros. If this is still half point. Yeah. yeah. It's, it shows Andrews is a few spots ahead and Pitts is actually about 10 picks behind Hawkinson. There's, yeah. I don't think that sticks. I think, I think that script flips for sure. Yep. I think Pitts will start getting taken ahead of Hawkinson. Um, I know that's the debate I've had. You mentioned it just a few little bit ago, the Hawkinson Pitts debate. I'm man, I'm still leaning Hawkinson. I just feel like that he's a guy that we know what we're going to get from him as a, even a floor, but like he has even a ton, uh, even just as much upside, I think, as Kyle Pitts for this year. The long term prospects with Pitts are obviously super, super exciting, but I, I yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Is you know, the, the opportunity is going to be off the charts, and the fact that you can get him that would be round five i mean yeah i'll take that yeah that's that's solid and that's it i mean it's because i think pitts will go ahead of him so i think then hawkinson is the is the cliff and if if andrews slides like a round behind him if you get andrews around six i I think i'd be okay with that but if andrew stays at around five pick then then it's hawkinson or bust almost like it's either hawkinson or you know the the three amigos at the top or see later and i'll and i'll wait um, and I'm just going to take that that uh, transition because you mentioned the third year tight end. I mentioned that that it's either Hawkinson or Bust pretty much at the tight end position. Oh no, I wrote down this name too. You're going to do it. Punt the hell out of the position and just wait till tight end 16 off the board. I wish there were more numbers on this kid because he hasn't got a ton of opportunities. But Kyle Rudolph is out of town, and Irv Smith, your time is now. Turns 23 in just a few weeks. Um, third season in the NFL. Kid is super young. I think he had five touchdowns last year. I think on 30 receptions or something ridiculous like that. But I think this is a guy that he's not just a red zone threat. He can, you know, if you get him involved um, in that offense a little bit more, he's going to produce great numbers because this dude's an athletic freak. Now, the the concerns I have with Irv Smith is the fact that his snapshot, when Rudolph was down last year, which he missed some games, Smith was not just a plug and play. He's Kyle Rudolph's replacement. Uh, Conklin there has been used as kind of the ru- the rushing downs tight end. He's a good, better blocker. Irv Smith is not a great blocker. Hopefully, he can make that step enough to find more snap share in 2021. But this is a guy again, s- tight end 16 off the board right now, being taken 141st overall. That's late round 12. This guy is going undrafted right now in your kind of your standard 15 16 round leagues a lot of these not everyone's taking two tight ends so i think when you're looking at adp irv smith is definitely somebody who jumps out to me over guys i'm not i'm not on this higby train again i don't really care the dude's dead dead to me i just don't believe it um you can take him if you want but not ahead of irv smith for me i love the upside both new england guys that is a situation that i don't necessarily want a big piece of rob gronkowski going almost 40 picks ahead of irv smith there's nothing sexy about Rob Gronkowski. You know, yeah. these guys will probably end up with similar target numbers. He, Irv Smith was, uh, when he he had, I, I and I got deleted here, so unfortunately I don't have the number in front of me anymore. I don't know where the hell it went. But um, he saw he saw five or more targets in about half his games. If you get this guy four to five targets a game, that'll put him around 80 targets on the season. That can make him a startable tight end. That's fine. And, uh, you know, so is that kind of stretching it out? Yes. The dude is taking 16th overall at the position. You're just throwing the dart. See how it plays out early on, and you can bail if you want. And the boring guys like Evan, like, uh, Evan Ingram, Higby, Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Rob Gronkowski, those guys will be there because whoever drafted them will be bored as hell that they aren't hitting. So there you go. Irv Smith Jr., Hawkinson Jr., you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, what, man? Uh, great minds think alike. I really thought you weren't going to have this one written down. Uh, <laughs> I could definitely get you with the two tight ends with Hawkinson and Smith. And when I do these lists, I do them in a strategic order where I pick like the gimmies first. Like I talk about Gibson first and CD lamb first. Cause I'm like, I know Kyle has those names down. I got to get him out of the way, but uh, I didn't think he'd get to Irv Smith. 
I um, jumped my list. I'm not going to lie. I have uh, I have receivers, but it was just too perfect with going to tight end. We haven't talked about. I challenged myself. Like I need to find a freaking tight end. We haven't talked tight end in like weeks because there's you know I didn't yeah. I didn't really know I didn't really feel like there was a sleeper out there. They're all bust to me. If you and like pretty much if you're taking any of them between rounds like six and like nine or ten for sure. Uh, so yeah, I, I just. I, I'm not going to take Gasicki, you know, at around 100th overall, or Logan Thomas just before that. Like those guys just don't interest me. You know, I think that they're upside compared to the players that are going there at other positions. I'd rather take the stab at those positions, and then yeah, and, and those two tight, those two tight ends that you just named, they have receiver competition in their offenses that mm-hmm. Irv Smith Jr. doesn't have. That's kind of uh, that's kind of the allure around Irv Smith. That and the uh, the freak athleticism, like before the I guess he would have been the same year as Hawkinson, but mm-hmm. before the Kyle Pitts is, you know, he was one of those guys who we talked about as being one of the next uber elite tight ends. Um, you know, and you spoke to this being the magic number three year for Irv Smith too. Dude, this guy's just 22 years old. That is, that is wild to me. Uh, but it, yeah, for me, it's all about the lack of receiving apps options in Minnesota. Um, especially if, uh, Justin Jefferson or the 31 year old Adam Thielen were to miss a little time this year. I am all about plugging in Irv Smith. Sounds like a great DFS play. Um, <laughs> With Kyle Rudolph out of the game, I think where'd he go? The uh, the Giants. Giants, yeah, All right, yeah, um, yeah. That and that was like three times. Like he failed his physical, but then they still signed him or something. I don't remember. But it's it's yeah. funny how you broke down the numbers because I I did something super similar. Uh, looking at his targets last season, forty three targets I have for Irv Smith, and I kind of did the math too. I'm like, okay, so Kyle Rudolph's gone. So in my like when that happens in your head. How many targets now are we going to assume for Irv Smith Jr. in 2021? Like, you had 15, you had 20, um, you know, plus his, uh, he he didn't play a full season. If you extrapolate his targets throughout the entire season, he's looking more at like 53 or so targets right there uh, in, in 16 games. So, it, yeah, you know what I had here is like 70 to 75 targets. I think, <laughs> you, said, I think you said 80. So our math yeah. checks out. It seems right on. Um and, and those numbers don't seem like a big ask and they don't seem like sexy numbers. But again, this isn't a guy that we're saying is going to break out to top five tight end status. This is just a guy who if we're going to punt the tight end position um, and, and Irv Smith is currently being taken at 141 overall tight end 15. This is a guy who I feel like should be able to finish inside the top 10 tight ends with relative ease. Hayden Hurst was tight end nine last year. And you're looking at and the other thing that I love and we'll talk about this even more as we get deeper into the positions but like minnesota's schedule to start the season when you're streaming tight ends is important at cincinnati at arizona seattle at home cleveland which is a good defense but then detroit in round five that's four good wow. matchups so you gotta hope that minnesota is using irv as the third wide receiver you know option and, and working him in there but i love taking a shot on that you're gonna know pretty quick those matchups aren't scary where you're like ah oh, crap I gotta, I gotta at least see him through round or uh, weeks three or four, just because the the early matchups are tough. Forget it. I think you're gonna know pretty quick. And by that, uh, by that Cleveland game in in week four at the latest, you know, at that point, go ahead, cut him. You know, the, the rest of those guys that are fringe tight end ones that'll just kind of compile some numbers together, they'll be there. You can stream the position; it'll be fine. You're not committing to a mid round pick and then having to bail out mid year. So I, I love Irv Smith, and when I looked at that schedule, I was like this is it right here. This is my guy. And uh, so, yeah, for me, it's going to be, it's probably going to be what, and we'll talk like, I don't know if I'm giving away, but it's either Darren Waller, Hawkinson and Waller in three Hawkinson in five or Irv Smith at the end. That's pretty much going to be it. And I like you know, there's a whole list of guys behind Irv Smith that I'm totally fine with too at the tight end. We'll dive into, but like, that's kind of, that's my uh, elevator pitch for tight ends this season. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right. Well, I stole your thunder a little bit with Irv Smith. We covered tight ends, which I was super excited about. I I have a I have two more, but they kind of count as one. I kind of paired them together. So I'll kick it back to you, Jake. Uh, you got another breakout for us? I do, and unfortunately, he does not play tight end. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> but I do have a running back for you, and this is the guy that I thought you were going to bring up when you said something about like, oh, this is a guy who I don't plan on drafting or something, or I don't know, something like that. I was like, oh, you're, you're going to take my guy. But- <laughs> 
What do you think about a Damian Harris breakout? In oh, one? yeah, man. I the mean, clear cut running back one. <laughs> I think so. And I've never been a Damian Harris guy. Like I've usually been hands off. Usually those running backs, unless you're Derrick Henry, those guys who are like false, like no PPR, just yeah. I'm, I'm usually hands off that kind of guy. Uh, but I mean, I, I feel like we need to at least acknowledge the fact that a guy who's going 78th overall running back 33 this guy appears to be in position to be, you know, the quote unquote workhorse in the New England Patriots offense. Um, a couple of news blurbs here we have from ESPN's Mike Reese. Mike Rice uh, said that he sees Damian Harris as the Patriots number one running back. And it's quote unquote pretty decisive. Uh, and then a week later, uh, Mike Mike Reese, Mike Rice doubles down reporting that Damian Harris is the quote unquote surefire number one backfield option. So that kind of leaves Sony Michelle, I guess, just kind of floating out in the ether. Uh, he enters his fourth year in the league this season. And this is, he's had every opportunity in the world to seize that running back one role. And at this point, I got to believe it's just not going to happen for the guy. Uh, it's weird to think that him and Nick Chubb used to be like considered like equals when they were coming up in Georgia. Actually, Michelle was taking like two or three picks before Nick Chubb. Yep. Yep. You, you screwed up that one, Patriots. You <laughs> need to tell you. As far as Damian Harris, though, uh, the, the Patriots were third in the league in run plays per game last season, 31 run plays per game. So the volume is plentiful for Damian Harris, especially if he's getting all the volume. Um, the Patriots are a team that has one of the best offensive lines in the league. I also thought it was worth noting. I, you know, I love referencing playerprofiler.com whenever I get the chance and they chart a stat where uh, they show you the average defenders in the box against a running back on the season. And Damian Harris averaged more defenders in the box than any other running back in the league. 7.4 defenders in the box, 7.4 guys up or near the line of scrimmage. So and and despite the defense constantly clogging up the line of scrimmage, always being in this guy's face, no easy running lanes, Damian Harris is still able to able to average a super impressive five yards per carry in 2020. Like I was floored when I saw he was averaging that. I you know I had no idea. Uh, but the the you know the reason that that defenses are able to sell out to stop the run like that is because they've got. Uh, zero passing game threats, or at least last year, zero wide receivers. They've got noodle arm Cam who can't throw the ball to save his life. So if the Patriots can just, you know, and this is just a theory I'm throwing out there, if the Patriots can just marginally, just by a little, improve their passing game, and maybe that starts with getting Mac Jones under center. Uh, but you could very much see a scenario where maybe Damian Harris doesn't have to face as many defenders in the box. He gets nicer, uh, nicer, easier, wider running lanes. And uh, maybe he's just that much more efficient in 2021. But I think he, uh, he, I hate to say I'm in on Damian Harris. He's certainly not going to be a guy that I'm going to plant my flag on because, again, the receiving upside seems to be little to none uh, in an offense where I believe James White's still very much in the picture, right? Yeah, he resigned as a free agent this year, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, aside from the, the receiving work that James White's going to get, I feel like it's going to be the Damian Harris show and we get – Sony Michelle sprinkled in on very rare occasions. Mm -hmm. um, again, I don't, I'm not super excited about the Patriots offense, but if he's going to get all the carries on a team that's going to run the ball, uh, you know, at, at a top three rate in the league, then sure. I'm interested in that guy. You know, as, you know, if we're playing half PPR, I'm especially interested in that guy. Mm -hmm. If you're in a goofy standard scoring league, then I'm very interested in Damian Harris yes. at ADP. <laughs> Uh, but what what are your initial thoughts on Damian Harris? Because I had to come around on this guy that do a full uh, 180. Yeah, I think so. Some of the things with Harris, you look at the storyline from even last year. He was like the running back in camp, and then he broke his finger, and somehow that turned into like a six week injury. And then he, when he uh, came back at the exact same time, Sonny Michelle got injured, so that maybe they patriated around it, but like. So we never really got to see like, hey, was this really like, was this kind of smoke? He kind of just got the job. And he put up some decent games uh, last season. When I saw his ADP and you're obviously seeing these news reports, so he's probably creeping up just a little bit. If he separates himself from like the David Johnson and, and James Connors, and he's kind of the head of that group. You know, I, I'm definitely good with that. He's going right now, like you said, 78th overall. Again, kind of not that I don't like these guys, but like Miles Gaskin, 45th overall. Chase Edmonds, 60th overall. Mike Davis, 62nd overall. Uh, 
Mostert, 63rd overall. Like these are guys that are we, I mean, that's definitely the cliff. You know, the RB2s have gone, and it's just now you're taking some shots with some, you know, potential upside. These guys could see some carries. I think Harris is a pretty good lock to see more more attempts than most of those guys. It just depends on what this offense looks like. And I think you kind of alluded to it too. The lack of passing weapons last year definitely hurt. They added, you know, regardless of what you think about their wide receivers. I mean, Aguilar had some has had some moments since leaving Philly. You know, and I don't like them for fantasy, but adding John New and Hunter Henry are great. You know, yeah. that's better than anybody they had last year um, in that passing game for sure. So, um, you know, and I think the for me, what's, what I want to see is I want to see Mac Jones under center. I want to see a quarterback that's not going to snipe every damn goal line rush uh, out of this offense, which is that's what Cam Newton does. So if Cam Newton's the quarterback, you know, uh, you're probably drafting Harris maybe even a little bit right about wait, 33 overall my running back. That's fine. But if you can draft him there and just say, hey, I'm going to take a shot because if Mac Jones gets under center, this guy's at least a low end RB2. I, I could buy that, you know. So um, I like the price tag right now. We'll see. These positive reports are great. I'm hoping it kind of keeps him right in check. I don't really see him jumping uh, uh, Javante Williams or Travis Etienne. So I think I think this is about as high as he's probably going to go. And I like that. So I'll see, take I, him right there around 80th overall. It's solid. Yeah. I like Damian Harris almost like a. Um desperation play for a team mm-hmm. that like waited on running back too much. Like I, I, I keep thinking back to that first mock draft or that last mock draft we did with the other DWZ guys and Jerry mm-hmm. coming around and taking David Montgomery in round three. Like, wouldn't you have so much rather taken anybody else, like any stud wide receiver and then snug date snag Damian Harris freaking well, how many rounds later? Like mm-hmm. what's going to be the difference at the end of the season, unless you're a huge Monty believer or you are David Montgomery listening to this podcast. I apologize, but I feel like at the end of the season, their stats aren't going to be uh, extremely different. Yeah, for and we'll and we'll dive into it more. But um, like Jacobs and Carson, like they're right around nineteenth, twentieth for me. Like that's it. That's the line. Once I get past that, it's kind of like, eh. If one of these guys falls super far, I'm good. But otherwise, yeah, like I'll be I'll be fine just taking Damian Harris that late and whatever you know. So. Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think the gap is that wide between around 20, you know, 21 to 24, that range all the way back to where Harris is at, which is just outside of the top 30. So, uh, I like that call. I think the opportunity will be there and, uh, could be a great value on draft day. I got my last one here, I guess. I'm going to put these guys together and cheat, um, take two names off the board here. These guys are going at uh, 73rd overall, 81st overall. These guys are teammates. These are wide receivers going at 28th and 31st. Why in the hell are these two Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers outside the top 24? T. Higgins and rookie Jamar Chase. What are we doing? These guys are on an offensive. If if you think the Cowboys are going to throw the ball a lot, Watch the hell out because this Bengals team is going to be chucking the ball a ton as well. If you've been on Twitter or taken a breath listening to any podcast, you know that Joe Burrow threw the ball 40 times a game in his 10 starts, and that's going to continue in his sophomore season. I'm, I'm thinking he's going to be good to go to start the year. A lot of the reports have been positive that he's going to be a go uh, for week one. T. Higgins saw eight or more targets in nine of the 14 games that he played, he played 16 games technically, but week one in the last week, his snap shares were like 10%. I don't know what the hell the Bengals were doing. They probably don't even know what they were doing. But when T. Higgins was actually on the field, eight plus targets in nine of 14 games, that just speaks to the volume that these wide receivers are going to see. When you look at the carcass of A.J. Green running around out there, he saw a 76% snap share, which all, all three of the Bengals wide receivers were 74 plus, and all three as far as snap percentage. And they also over 100 targets. Jamar Chase is going to walk right into 100 targets. Easy in this offense. The dude is an absolute monster of a talent. I love me some Tyler Boyd. Don't get me wrong, but come on now. These two guys are absolute freaking studs. You got T. Higgins as a second rounder in his sophomore year. Jamar Chase as a top five pick in the NFL draft, walking into 100 targets easy with his college quarterback in an offense that's going to have to produce big time to keep them even remotely in games. So, um, are we for real round seven for either of these guys? I'm taking these guys. I'm taking them in round like four. I don't, I don't care if that's an overpay. Good for me because the minute you leave the draft, doesn't matter where you draft these guys. I want them on my squad. So I, I don't think they're that far as much as I love CD lamb. If he's wide receiver 15, 
I don't think these two guys are that far behind him as far as, you know, if you're putting him at wide receiver 15. I think there's a lot of names that these guys should be going ahead of. So I love me some T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, even for this year um, in 2021. Put it down. I love these dudes. Jake, what's your thoughts on uh, these Cincy wide receivers? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how accurate the ADP. Well, I'm sure the ADP is accurate as it is, but I mean, like, as, as we approach it, yeah. like, as we get into real drafts and stuff, like, I have a hard time picturing being at the draft board like and seeing someone put T Higgins up before Jamar Chase which which that's the case right now in drafts T Higgins is being taken Jamar Chase before Jamar Chase you're not in that camp are you cuz I'm taking Jamar Chase over T Higgins every time I I oh, stop <laughs> it you knock it off T Higgins is is good bro he is damn good yeah, he's good. And if he was the number one receiver in the, for the Bengals, I would be balls why, deep in T. Higgins. Why not? But, why not both? Why not both? Get well, them both. I, <laughs> I have no problem with both. But I'm saying if I'm looking at both names on the draft board, I don't even have to think about it. It's going to be Jamar Chase. And that being said, I'm I'm still totally in on T. Higgins this year. I'm looking at Fantasy Pros ADP. Uh, Chase Claypool is going ahead of T. Higgins. Brandon Ayuk, Odell Beckham Jr. Oh, uh, Jehoshaphat Jones, get the hell out of here. Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Uh, there's a handful of names right there. I mean, I think that's pretty much it. Adam Thielen, get out. Ad, eh, debatable. <laughs> you know, I like a little bit of Adam Thielen, but that that whole handful of names. Um, I'd I'd rather take T Higgins over all those guys. And that being said, I'd rather take Jamar Chase over all those guys. You said it, man. I think the Bengals' offense is gonna be a force to be reckoned with. Joe Mixon's no joke. Obviously, Joe Burrow's no joke. Um, and he's got the nastiest set of receivers next to uh, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown in the league, you know, next to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, next to D.K. Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett. But after all of them, that's a, it's a nice set of receivers. Um, I'm, how do you think they are going to go in drafts? Because you said you'd be willing to take them as soon as the fourth round. I I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like fourth, fifth is fair for either of those I, guys. Yeah, I, de- I mean, I checked this, dude. Man, I honestly, I checked this like six times. I'm like, is this for real? Why are they going so late? Like, am I an idiot here? What the hell is going on? And no, it's for it's for real. Uh, T against wide receiver 28, uh, 73rd overall. Jamar Chase, 81st overall, wide receiver 31. I don't get that. I, I think that they'll probably go closer to, um, what's that going to be? Round f- I think round five is where these guys are going to shake yeah. out. I, I think that's where. I mean, that's a two-round jump. Um but I'm still good with them there. I'm I'm taking either of them there uh, off the board. I don't really care which one. I'll take whatever one's left, I guess, uh, for me. But if I, I mean, I just think Odell, these are two Odell Beckham, guys. Odell Beckham before either of them is egregious. <laughs> dude, that's, this is coming from the dude who loves Odell Beckham on the show. I would think it's, I think that's absolutely, I, dude, I would take both these guys over Julio. And Julio right now is going at 40th overall. I mean, so I, I don't know. But uh, if, if that's value that you can suck up, you can take your wide receivers knowing that you're going to grab one of these two Bengals wide receivers as your wide receiver two. I'm locking that in and I, I feel really, really good about these. So, you know, a lot of this has really been pointing to throughout the show for me is like, give me the guys in high volume offenses, um, you know, where the, the game script's going to be going their way when you're talking about Lamb and ETN and these guys. Um, but man, I just, I, I think the value is off, just off the charts for those two wide receivers. So we'll see. But uh, big fan of those guys, and uh, I think they're going to produce big this season. I got one more, uh, one more guy for you. What do you think? Take us home, bro. Let's do it. All right. Uh, this guy's name came up a couple times this episode in passing, and now that I'm thinking about it, this is the guy that I thought you were going to take when you took Travis Etienne. You said uh, like 69 overall, Travis Etienne, or something like that. Well, yeah. the guy I have here is at 70 overall, RB 31. It's Javante Williams. Uh, I know that Javante Williams is a, a, a one of Memphis's guys, right? Memphis. Yes. And I only said that so I could hit the button. But, but uh, you know, prior to the NFL draft, before Javante Williams was even uh, a Bronco, I viewed Melvin Gordon as a screaming value, um, as the RB1 in what I would consider to be an ascending offense, a solid offense. Especially, you know, big contingency, big asterisks right here. Especially if uh, Teddy Bridgewater takes over for uh, Poopy Lock. Recent reports I'm reading are predicting Javante Williams to start in week one and lead the Broncos' backfield in rushing attempts 
2021. So I'm trying to figure out if all this hype is more of a testament to Javante Williams and the skill he brings because he was a consensus top three running back in this class. Um, you know, is it more of a testament to the skill he brings and how much Denver likes him? They moved up in the draft to get him. Or is it how uncomfortable they are with going forward with Melvin Gordon being the guy in that backfield? You know, Philip Lindsay's no longer in the picture. He's with Houston. Um, you know, Melvin Gordon had some off the field issues last season, but statistically speaking, he really wasn't all that bad in 2020 as a whole. Uh, just under a thousand rushing yards and ten total touchdowns, a respectable four point six yards per attempt. But Melvin Gordon, he's also uh, he's also one of the more fragile players in the league. He's not getting any younger. Twenty eight years old. He's had multiple knee issues. I think a hip problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and while I do, I you know, I expect Javante Williams to be a guy that you can start on a weekly basis, like in a flex position, on a weekly basis. I think he's going to hold that kind of value. Uh, even with Melvin Gordon in the picture. But there's a very real scenario where uh, Melvin Gordon ends up being hurt. He misses a game. He's on the IR. And if that's the case, then Javante Williams is going to be one of those must-start guys that you're going to see in every article on Twitter that week. He's going to be in every DFS lineup. He's going to be a week winner uh, if it's just him in that backfield. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, all that being said, I feel I think there's a nice floor for Javante Williams, especially if he's used in the red zone, if he gets those goal line opportunities. But there's a super high ceiling, too, if Gordon ends up finding himself on the IR, which I hate to say it because we don't bet on injuries or anything. But it almost seems likely for uh, 28-year-old Melvin Gordon, who, again, has had multiple health concerns in the past. Seems like he's uh, one, one, one bump to the knee away from Todd Gurley territory, if you know what I'm saying. But, uh, again... Uh, I know Memphis likes Javante this year as the the big breakout running back. What do you think of Javante? Obviously, you're going ETN over Javante. <laughs> I would. Um, and the, and this is the one thing, like, and I'm hoping as we get a little bit more closer to the season, it'll start shaking out. Like, on Fantasy Pros, it has Williams is RB30, 70th overall. ETN, RB31, 69th overall. Like, doesn't make any sense. How does um, I've you know what I have noticed <laughs> that if anyone's listening to this show and they could explain that to me, I would love to know because I have wondered that many times it, myself. Yeah, it's weird. But anyway, I, I think both guys are great values in the sixth round. I hope that I was kind of hoping the positive reports would pump the brakes a little bit. I know Memphis has talked about in the war zone, is that he sees Williams as a league winner from the standpoint of like he might not be a guy that does stuff right out of the gate. And he was saying this way back, like following the draft, like the day after they picked him. It was like you know, he's going to be a guy that might start a little bit slow, but he's going to take over this backfield and he's going to be killing it when it matters. Right now, all these reports are coming out and it's like, okay, Williams could start from the, from the get. And that's great. You know, I I still think again, if he's in round five, that's a fine pick. And he's right now he's going around six. Um, But I think he'll scoot ahead of a few of these guys. Like he's going behind right now, right behind Ronald Jones. He's going behind Melvin Gordon. That won't hold up if these reports hold true. I kind of hope that, the media kind of sways people back towards Melvin just a bit. So you can take advantage of this because I, I do think that this is Williams backfield by the time we're sitting here, maybe not even mid season. I think it could be earlier than that, but if it's, if, if it's from the start, then yeah, I think he's going to creep ahead. He's, I think then he's going to start pushing that, you know, top 24 range, but uh, we'll see, man. I think right now it's solid and uh, I would go ETN over Williams for 2021 right now. But it's it's definitely close, and I'd I'd much rather throw my darts at those two guys than some of the veterans going ahead of them. Um, you know, almost you know five ten picks earlier, I'd rather take the rookies and and see how it pans out. So, real quick, real quick, I want to yeah. mention one more guy who I've, Go I for it. I don't, I'm I'm not going to say this guy's going to break out, but I wrote down his name just in case we had a little bit of time at the end. I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I love these ones. So it's like if if he doesn't hit, you know, it's like whatever. But then when he hits, like, remember when I mentioned Ooh. him on the breakout show? If in it July? hits, if it hits, this is going to become one of the preloaded sound effects. One of the nine is going to be me touting Zach Moss. Oh in- no, not again! Yeah, not yeah, again, Jay. Uh, super out last year, but um, I, I, and you know what? I'm 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 just a little out this year. Like, I'm not ready to say that I'm in on Zach Moss, but there's something weird about he's going 98 overall. He's RB 39, and he might be the RB one on one of the best teams in the league, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I think Devin Singletary is poop. I'm not, I'm not into Devin Singletary. So, um, 
I, I feel like that shouldn't be a hard backfield to to take over, to overcome. If he is half of what he was advertised coming into the league, um, I, I don't know. I think Zach Moss should be able to overtake that situation. We should see a second year. Maybe I'll say that. Not a, not a breakout from Zach Moss this year, but there should at least be a, a nice second year bump, I think, coming for coming for this young gentleman. Uh, are you a thousand percent out on Zach Moss? I'm, I'm not you taking either of those. I'm not. At RB thirty nine. Come no, on, no. come on. I don't, I don't want that. I don't want him Shut on my up, team. Shut up, Kyle. I don't need that. Shut up, Kyle. I'm glad that's still in the queue. I don't need Zach Moss in my life. That if I had a, if we were doing a podcast that was on guys I will never draft, um, it would be Zach Moss. I I don't see any upside with him. Uh, well, then let's just let's just pretend I didn't throw out that name. And we can <laughs> you can have him. You can have him. That's fine. <laughs> You could have, uh, man, Jake, this was a ton of fun. Appreciate it. And I love the fact that we, obviously we're, pre- we're preparing, but separate. So like when we're yeah. on this show and we, there's some overlap that it's, uh, it's good to see we're on the page, same page as some of these guys. Maybe we're not on some of them as well, but Zach Moss uh, is fine. Yeah, you can have, I mean, I got hundredth overall almost. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, give me Gus Edwards, baby. Yeah. Come on, okay. let's go. Uh, anyway, but, uh, man, we're gonna be back here next week. Uh, I think that's gonna, next week will be the final show of July. Uh, we're doing our mock draft, another mock draft episode. We're gonna have some guests on again. Check us out on YouTube because you'll be able to see the whole draft board as we take you through it. Um, this time, Jake will not let Mother Nature take him down. Uh, he will be on the show making his picks live. We're gonna take you through our selections. So, really looking forward to another mock draft as we get closer to draft season. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Month Eight. You can follow Jake at Jake Takes FF, and of course, stay subscribed to Dynasty Warzone and five star reviews, man. I uh, mini rant. I know Memphis and Jerry are too nice, and they talked about a two star review that somebody left on this feed, and I'm like. Screw that, dude. I don't care what he has to say. Yeah. Get Five stars only, baby. Come on. If you don't like what you hear, get out of here. Uh, five stars in all seriousness. Let's do this thing. Let's get these ratings up and make it a good 2021. We'll catch you guys next week with a mock draft. Jake, see you later, bro. Listeners, take it easy.